This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm, as always, with Matt Verderam. Matt, it is a couple days before the end of the year here. How was your Christmas? I thought you were going to ask me how the year was. And I was like, well, I hope no, you got that. I know how your year was. Yeah. Started out great. Um, no. Christmas was good. Uh, Christmas was nice. Christmas was good. Um, spent time with uh, my wife and daughter and watched her open up a bunch of gifts. And she opened up this big easel that we got her because she's three years old and she loves to draw and create and paint and all this stuff. And so got it for her. And she's like, I want to use it right now. And I had to put it together. And uh, that became somewhat of a tire fire. But uh, with the help of my lovely wife, uh, we got it done. And uh, way more complicated than a three-year-old easel should be. But it is what it is. I've, uh, I, I've had to put together an easel before, like a real one. And there's like a little chain. And like, it's actually not. It, it's it was chaos. It was, it, was, yeah. it was ridiculous. The directions were like made Ikea's directions look really clear. It was just, it was a mess. But in any event, it was good. I had a good time. I'm still eating uh, out of my stocking and out of the Christmas cookie uh, tin. So I'm happy about that. How was yours? Uh, it was good. It was good. We Well, funny, funny story. So I don't, I don't think I mentioned this on the last podcast. Um, we go, we went up to Wisconsin and uh, did I tell you about us leaving the faucets on by accident? No, I've told a few. So, so we go up to Wisconsin, uh, we got a house up there and, um, we, so my wife's parents were there before us and they had, uh, her old man had turned on the faucets outside to, there's like two faucets, one on either side of the house to flush them out after he turned off the water. Right. Which makes sense. It's yep. Wisconsin. It's very cold. They want the pipes to freeze. So we go up there and we, it, we get there uh, in the evening, uh, the day before Christmas Eve. It's dark. It's really cold. It's like seven, six, seven o'clock. She says, hey, take the laundry upstairs and, and make the bed. And like, I'll turn on the water and everything and open up the house. So she goes downstairs to turn on the water, but she turned the lever for the outside water. So those faucets were still turned on a little bit. We light a fire, have a nice dinner, order some pizza, relax. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit, I, I just now I'm thinking the pizza guy came. And when he came, the, there was water on in the driveway, just rolling down the driveway. I don't know if he saw that, must not have. We didn't hear it. Next morning, I get up to walk the dogs. It's eight degrees. I take them out back in the yard and I'm in, in the side yard and I, and I hear a sound. And I'm like, what the hell is that sound? And I look over. And, the, and there's water running from the side of the house. There's a huge like ice mound. It's gone into like the yard next to the house. There's a big, a little lake frozen, go ice skating. I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. So I go over there and I, I, I take the dogs back in. I go and I shut it off. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why are the faucets? Does somebody come by and like prank us? You know? And I, I asked my wife and she's like, oh, I, I turned the water on. I must've messed up, you know? And I was like, I hey, don't worry about it. Like it just went in the yard. No big deal. You know? Uh, so we leave, we get dressed and we leave to go to the store to get some groceries. And I'm, I'm, I'm pulling down the driveway and it's on a hill and, it's, and the car starts to slide a little bit. I'm like, what the heck? I hit the brakes. 
And I look in front of me and there's a faucet on the other side of the house too, on the driveway that was also on. And it had, this was a totally different situation than the yard because it's on the driveway. So it went down the, it made this like down the driveway, down the road, probably about 20, 30 yards. You probably killed like four people. I'm I'm sure there were a a million accidents. Thank God it's a small town. There's not a lot of traffic because it wasn't snowing. It was just cold. So if you were driving down that street in the middle of the night, there was an ice an ice sheet about two inches thick. And so we had to go to the store and we put down a hundred pounds of salt on this. And we stood out there for four hours with shovels, breaking it up as it melted because there was so much ice that even the, uh, the salt like just wasn't completely, it was a nightmare. Yeah. You better than me, I left it. Yeah, I right? right. I was, she was, she was up there working in the driveway and I'm like, we got to do the street. I'm like, who cares about the driveway? I said, somebody comes down the street and like wrecks, we'll get, you know, we could be a big trouble. So yeah, it was a a fun little uh, comedy of errors there. But then otherwise, once we took care of that uh, for four hours, nice, sat by the fire, opened some gifts, um, you know, had a little wine. It was, uh, it was, it was lovely. Good, good. Well, it was uh, not as lovely watching the Chiefs on Sunday, even though they won. Uh, seventeen yeah. fourteen against the Bob Sutton led <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. Which was I gotta say, you know, I, I watch I rewatched a little bit of the game. Not all I just frankly have not had the time and did not have the uh intrigue to sit there and rewatch that game. But um old old friend of mine, uh, Seth Kaiser works over the athletic. Uh, we worked together at SB Nation for years. Um he was tweeting out like different different plays that Atlanta, you know, different different things Atlanta had done defensively. And uh Old buddy and and uh, as well Jeff Schwartz, who I used to do Stack in the Box podcast, which of course I still do. Um, he did a nice job. If you're on Twitter, you should check it out. Of kind of breaking down why some of the things were happening that were happening. Like Atlanta was using these really weird blitzes that you almost never see. And it dawned on me, Bob Sutton creating exotic blitzes is the weirdest thing that's happened all year long. <laughs> Weirder than the pandemic. Weirder than the election, somehow even weirder than the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. Like Bob Sutton, I remember charting a game when he was their head coach or their head coach, when he was Chiefs defense coordinator. They were playing in Oakland. They didn't stunt once. Like literally, I think it was 73 or 74 snaps, and they just rushed four straight up the field the entire game. And in this game, Bob Sutton's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to blitz a coach off the sideline. It was just the most... (laughs) It was unbelievable. He wanted revenge. Like, it, it was like of all the times, like, hey, how about in the 2018 AFC title game? That would have been a nice time to break out yeah. a blitz like that, huh? No, apparently nice. not. Apparently, it was to show Mahomes that he could stop him, which, to be fair, it worked for the most. I mean, the yeah. Chiefs still won the game, but it did work. But I just I found that fascinating. <laughs> Seth does great work. And Jeff, of course, former NFL player. So he has more insight than any of us ever could. But it was just, it just, it, I, it, it rankled me, um, if I'm being honest. Bob Sutton, who knew? Blitz extraordinaire. Blitz in a corner on a, in cover two. I saw that play. It was really interesting because, I mean, the Chiefs could have picked it up. They just, they just, it was so weird that they, nobody saw the corner coming. And, um, you know, I, I, I was looking back at some of the tape as well. I got I to gotta hand it to the Falcons. The defense played a good game. It, they also did a really nice job on that. I know everybody's going went crazy about the fourth and one Rose Bowl right parade trick play pass to Mahomes, which I agree they they didn't need to run that there. They just needed a first down. The game was closed, but I still think it was a cool play. It's just walking shit and throwing the ball because because the Falcons did a really good job. They stayed home. They didn't they didn't freak out. They they just did a really great job on that play, and that's why they they ended up uh, breaking it up and getting the interception. Watkins should have just thrown the ball away or, or tried to run it himself. Mahomes is covered. Mahomes is calling for the ball. He thinks he's, thinks he's Calvin Johnson, I guess, out there. Um, he was joking this week about how his career as a wide receiver might be over because he's 0 for 2 uh, with an interception when they target him this year. Um, so before we get into football stuff, I, I, two things. One, I noticed this is hilarious, but I want to let the people in Kansas City know. Do you know the Chiefs are starting a gym? In Kansas City? No, I did not. It's, so it's called Chiefs Fit. And they're going to open it up. Uh, I, I forget exactly where in KC. And it's going to be a Chiefs-themed gym. You can go pump iron. And they've got like, 
you know, like the red and gold, like weights. And they got, they even have the players numbers. Like you can go lift, you know, the 15 Mahomes weights and stuff like that. It actually looks really nice. The information's on the chief's website. Um, I'm not getting paid to promote this. I just thought like, if I got to go to the gym, right. I wouldn't mind going to a gym where it's everything's themed chiefs, right. They should literally just plan the televisions, just the, the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl the yeah. entire time. Yeah. I don't know that anyone yeah. would get any work done, but I mean, you know, what the hell? People be in a good mood. They'd be pumping iron. Right. I mean, you know, if you got watching old old Chiefs clips in the in the gym there while you're working out, like it's actually kind of a great idea. You know, everybody knows how boring cardio can be. So if you're doing an hour on the treadmill or something and you've got you can oh, I'm gonna watch uh I don't know if this is going to be available to people. They're stupid if it's not, but like, oh, I'm going to watch the you know, 1994 game or watch some old Joe Montana game. Like that'd be a blast. Like I, I would help me pass the time. I just stay away. There's certain years I would stay away from like most of the eighties and you know, like literally every game in the seventies, the eighties, the, the uh, late aughts and before Reed got there in the, in the 2010s. Yeah. yeah you Other don't, don't want to be wide open. <laughs> You don't want to be bench pressing and looking over your head at a TV and all of a sudden see Tyler Palco walk out on the field. You, might no, drop you drop a, the bar onto your bar. neck yeah. and be happy about it. You start waving <laughs> off medical personnel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Listen, we're, we're going to take our, our first break real quick here, and then we're going to get into it. We got some New Year's resolutions, uh, which I'm, I'm just springing on Vertoram right now, but we'll have some New Year's resolutions. We'll, t- we'll preview this uh, meaningless game against the Chargers, and uh, we'll take a look at the AFC playoffs. All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, Verder, before we start talking football, I guess this is a football conversation. I, I, I thought this is our last show before the new year. Uh, I thought it would be cool to do some New Year's resolutions. So w- one New Year's resolution from you and one New Year's resolution for the Chiefs heading into 2021. Oh God, uh, I'm, I'm awful at this kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> for me, uh, I don't know. Take a vacation and actually get away from work. That seems like a good resolution. Um, for the Chiefs, address the interior of your offensive line because it's not good. So at some point here, you're going to have to invest and keep Mahomes upright and not making him just run around. Um, the interior of their offensive line is probably their biggest weakness. So I think that's the way I'd go. Love it. All right. For me, I'm going to go with find a uh, find a place to live because because <laughs> uh, we've got uh, movers coming on Saturday they're gonna move us out of here uh, our condo we're gonna put it on the market and then we're gonna go up to Wisconsin hopefully not burn that house down up there and then try to find a, uh, a single family home sh- here in Chicago which we're excited about I'm excited to have a backyard let the dogs run around you know smoke some things all that stuff so that's my resolution is to uh, find a nice house in a nice neighborhood before i don't know before my birthday in may let's say and uh for the chiefs i'm not going to think about the off season because we're going to be talking playoffs here so my resolution for them on offense is to take what the defense gives them i think that i now that doesn't mean that i don't want them to to get these big chunk plays and be aggressive and and change who they are but i think it was clear Every game they go into, these teams are going to be throwing the book at them. Everything that they can think of to try to confuse Mahomes, confuse them long enough. That's what Belichick does to Mahomes, right? Like try to confuse them long enough to keep yourself in the game and keep it close into the fourth quarter. And I think uh, on some of these plays, when teams are going to try to do what the Falcons did, the play that we talked about earlier, where they, 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 dropped everybody back into coverage, rushed three for a second, but then had a fourth rusher coming up from the corner. They're going to be seeing things like that in the playoffs for teams that just want to slow them down, confuse Mahomes. And I hope that, you know, Mahomes had an outlet on that play. He had a hot route he could have thrown to. Probably would have only gotten six or seven yards, but he could have taken that play. Instead, he threw a risky ball that almost got intercepted or could have been intercepted. So I think as they, as they get in early in these games here, take what the defense gives you. They're going to have to give something up and, and hopefully Andy's scheming for that. Well, yeah. I mean, they have to be prepared for anything that could be thrown at them. And there are some blitz heavy teams in the AFC playoffs. Pittsburgh blitzes a lot. Baltimore blitzes more than anybody in the NFL. Uh, Buffalo, believe it or not, is a top 10 blitzing team. Um, 
those are all things that they're going to have to be prepared for. But they, they've normally beaten the Blitz really well. It was a mix of, I think they were surprised Atlanta blitzed them, and it was a lot of exotic blitzes. I mean, the, the Falcons have not been uh, a, a very blitz-heavy team, to my recollection. So I think that was part of it. And look, this, this week, don't take anything that you see and care about it this week, because the Chiefs are not going to prepare for the Chargers. They don't care. I'm telling you right now, they're spending this entire week self-scouting, and they are going to start assigning one coach to look at every team they could possibly play in the divisional round. They are going to get a jump. They're going to get a little mini scouting report on all those teams. They are not going to care about the Chargers. They are not even going to spend two seconds preparing for this game. Okay? It doesn't matter to them. By the way, Atlanta is middle of the pack in in blitz percentage. Um, The top three teams, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Miami. Now, the Chiefs He's hammered to those three defenses. Obviously, didn't play the other one. Uh, Tampa Bay's fifth. She's beat them up. Jets are sixth. She's beat them up. Buffalo seventh. She's beat them up. Houston is ninth. Beat them up too. The Chiefs are eighth for the record. So when the Chiefs have played teams that have that blitz a lot, the Chiefs typically crush them because they're expecting it. Also, because a lot of times, even though they you hear the word exotic, they're blitzes you've seen. Like Wing Martindale on the Ravens, they do bring some interesting blitzes, but the Chiefs have seen them a bunch of times. Maybe they'll get them once or they'll get them twice, but the Chiefs know what's coming. Um, obviously, this is the first time the Chiefs have played against Bob Sutton in a long time. Uh, was on the other sideline most of his you know last 10 years. So I do think it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs adjust. But I think, I think really, look, the big advantage that they're going to have here over the next 20 days, let's say, they're going to have time to scout themselves. And that, to me, is, along with, of course, getting healthier, is by far the biggest advantage that they have going into the playoffs. All these other teams, they don't have the luxury of doing that. They've got to scout who they're playing. Kansas City can sit there and go, you know what? When we line up in this one formation, we've run the same play the last eight times. Well, this time, we're going to do something different out of that formation. We're going to do a play we haven't had yet. Okay, We've been bad defensively in the red zone. The worst team in the league. 78% of the time when the air team gets in the red zone, they score a touchdown on the Chiefs. Okay? How do we correct that? What have we done? What do we need to do? What blitzes have worked? What blitzes haven't? What have been our best third down calls? How do we build on that? Those are things that the Chiefs now for three weeks are going to get to sit there and evaluate. And that is a massive advantage against teams that will literally not have one day to do it. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's the great thing about the playoffs is everybody empties out the bag of tricks. It's it's scary, but it's also fun, and and nobody has more tricks in his bag than Andy Reid. Uh, we saw that last year in the Super Bowl where he they, they had been practicing that Rose Bowl right parade play all year, and then he just decided to to bring it out. So it'll be interesting to see what Andy's got up his sleeve. Okay, let's get into this game a little bit. I know it doesn't mean anything, but I sure would like to see the Chiefs finish 15-1. and one. It's always fun to, to beat a division rival. And if there's anything that's important about this game, obviously, it's some of the young guys are going to get in there, and we're going to get to see them play in a, a, a slightly better than a preseason environment, right? These guys are a good, it's a good chance for a guy like Armani Watts or some of these other guys to get in there and get more playing time and show what they can do on a, on a regular basis. Um, against a Chargers team that, hey, look, we talked about it. Games are weird this time of year. Yet some guys are hanging it up. Some guys are playing because they know they're going into free agency, right? right? There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So th- this is a great chance for some of these guys to showcase what they can do and showcase why they should be kept as depth on this team or, or, or be making a push to start at some point. So the Chiefs are planning to rest some starters. The The line at DraftKings is pl- uh, Chiefs are still uh, – Chiefs are getting a three and a half, I believe. Is that correct? Or did I mess that up? Are they still the no, favorites? I, I think the Chiefs originally were favorites, but then they they came out and they're like, yeah, we're not going to play anybody. Um, and now the line – yeah, the Chargers are now favored by three and a half. Yep. I'll tell you what. I, it's going to be a weird game. And as you said, the over-under is 44. I'm probably going to put a little bit of money on the Chiefs. Chad Henney, he's been on the team for a few years. He knows the playbook. Again, like to think that the Chiefs are just going to come out here and lay down against the Chargers, we've seen it before on much less talented Chiefs teams where they came out with a backup quarterback in a meaningless game in Week 17 and won or almost won against other teams. Um, so Andy Reid did say he's going to rest the starters. 
He says, there's a good chance you might see Chad somewhere in the game. If not at the beginning, then somewhere in there, Reed said. I'm not telling you it's not going to be the beginning. I'm sort of working through all that. Uh, as for Tyree Kill, he said, Tyree Kill, how many miles has this kid put on? Reed said, the wear and tear that that does. And Sammy Watkins, too. You look at that part, the wear and tear on the legs. So, look, he's not. He's, he it sounds like maybe, well, maybe Mahomes will go out there. I doubt Mahomes gets on the field, right? I will be absolutely shocked if yeah. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Fisher, um, Watkins, obviously Edwards Alaire, um, if if Matthew, Clark, Jones, Hitchens, any of them play one second of the game. Yeah. I'd be shocked. This is a game. If you're the first of all, look, I, I get wanting to finish 15 and one, although I, I'm actually the other way. I don't care if they lose at all because the Chargers get a worse draft pick. Um, look, I, I don't care. I could care less. I don't care if they're 14 or 15 and one. I don't. And I guarantee they don't care either. They, they care that they're the one seed, which they are obviously locked into. This is a week that you want to see the young guys play. Like that, that to me is what is the exciting part of this week. What does DeAndre Baker do? But they brought him in, and I know from speaking to a source close to the team, they expect him to compete for a starting job next year and, and maybe even contribute a little bit here in the playoffs. Well, what does he look like? If he plays a really good 70 snaps, that's going to help his case out quite a bit here as we go on. Um, what, what are we getting out of Willie Gay this week? Willie Gay, there was some good, there was some bad in Week 16, but I'll tell you, when he was good, he was really good. Like, right. what does that look like? I want to see Mike Dana. Mike Dana, every time he's on the field, contributes. You know who's the third most sacks on the team this year? Mike Dana. And what has he played? A quarter of the snaps? I, not even? I'd have to go look. I'd have to go and look. But Mike Dana has been excellent. Like, Wharton. I want to see those guys. I want to see Deshaun Wharton. Yeah, like I, those are the guys I want to see in this game. I don't need to see Juan Thornhill. Like, Juan Thornhill's good. I don't need to see Juan Thornhill. I don't need to see, De- I, even though he's a rookie, Lejarius Need, put him in bubble wrap. I don't need yep. to see it. I, I know he's really good. But Harry Sneed is a really good player. I'm good. Mike Remmers is a veteran, but like, I don't need to see Mike Remmers. Mike Remmers, look, play Yasir Durant. He's a rookie free agent. Like, let him play. Let the kid get reps. Because, you know, the other part of this, you don't know if you're going to need one of these guys big time in a playoff game. Injuries right. happen. Like, I I want to see, let Chad Henney not know. Look, if Chad Henney comes into playoff game, it's either a beautiful thing because they're up by 40 or we're all screwed. But, like, let Chad Henney go out there and earn his money for a week. That's fine. Let Darwin Thompson go out there and run the ball. Like, I, if you're the Chiefs, this whole week should be, we're self-evaluating. We don't care at all if we win. We're not even looking at one second of Chargers tape. We're going to run our young guys out there. We're going to see what they've got. We're going to put a little bit on tape for them, and we're going to go from there. That, that, to me, is all this game's about. This game means jack beyond that. It's good good time for some of the younger coaches to get a chance to maybe have them work on some game planning, things like that. Who are, who you mentioned a few players already, obviously um, that you'd like to see play. Is there anybody else like Bo Pete keys, Armani Watts, some of these guys? I mean, I'm all for all of them to play, but I mean, really look, the guys I'm most interested in seeing certainly DeAndre Baker. Um, former first-round pick of the Giants last year. This is a kid that if he really pans out for the Chiefs, it's like having an extra first-round pick. And they're high on him. They believe he can be a really good player. Obviously, they brought him in, but they, they think that he's got the traits that he legitimately could end up being that kind of a player for them if they can get the best out of him. But I want to see him. I want to see Willie Gay. Um, th- those are the two guys I'm going to be watching the most. And Mike Dana, those three. Uh, Wharton, I feel like I've at least seen you know, like I know Wharton can play, and I and I certainly think Dana can. I haven't seen too many guys who are smarter than Mike Dana, like at any point in their careers. It's incredible. If you watch Mike Dana against the run, it is an absolute clinic how to play an edge. It's incredible. Like Andy has two and a half sacks this year in limited time, which is great. But like to me, I look at Dan. I'll tell you right now, if I were the Chiefs. I'd move off Passion and Oak for this offseason and play him. I really would. Like, I'd be like, you know what? Next year, you know what our lines? I'd try to bring Pinnell back. My line next year would be Jones and Nottie inside. I'd rotate Pinnell and Wharton in, uh, obviously, depending on is it a rundown, is it a pass down? And then on the outside, 
I'd, I'd roll obviously Clark on one end. I'd put Dan on the other and feel fine about it. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't go get some depth. I wouldn't go get another another pass rusher. You always want a lot of pass rushers. But I, I'd play Dan. I'd have no problem with it. But I, I'd like to see what he does in this game if he gets 70 snaps. What about on the offensive side of the ball? We didn't, we've not really seen Ricky Seals Jones at all, which is strange because he was fine in Cleveland, made some plays there. Uh, but you think it's going to be the Nick Kaiser, Deion Yelder show? Do, do we even see Seals Jones get in there? He'll probably get in there. I got to tell you, though, I'm not excited to watch any of these guys on offense. I don't care. What it, about it Byron Pringle? No, I'm not excited. About like Byron, <laughs> Byron Pringle's fine. Like I, yeah. Byron Pringle is a good, good, good special teams player who, when they throw the ball at him, he catches it. Like, I'm not knocking Byron Pringle, but Byron Pringle's not going to all of a sudden go out there and change my opinion. Um, there's nobody really because offensively, all their main guys are just going to sit. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe Darwin Thompson a little. Like I think he's talented, um, but I, you know. Most of what I care about is on the because I think that defensively some of those guys can make an impact now for them. Like if Willie Gay goes out and he's dominant in this game, if I see Spagnuolo, I'm going, well, how really ready can I get him in two weeks? Because uh, he's better than Ben Neiman, who's now dealing with a hamstring injury. Like is Ben Neiman going to be healthy for the playoffs? If he's not, it's Willie Gay time. So I, I think that's another thing to consider. Yeah, I – I am kind of excited to see Darwin Thompson. He looked, you know, I remember when, when when he got drafted in the preseason, he looked so good and everybody was like, Oh, this guy, he's, he's it. Like he's, he's really talented and he's been buried. What have you heard anything from your sources over the years about why is it, does he just not pick up the offense? Is it a, is a ball control thing? Like why can't he get on the field? My, limited understanding because I haven't delved into this a ton because it hasn't been a huge thing, but I did ask about it. I believe once, maybe twice. It's about the ability to pick up the offense because any back that plays for them better be able to block. And I, I don't know. I think with Thompson, that is the one concern. And then look, you know, he earlier in the year, if memory serves against Baltimore, he played, he had a, he had a fumble down in the red zone. Um, but I don't think the fumble was the big thing. I think the thing is mostly he's got to pick the offense up. Um, that is my understanding of talking to people around the team. Um, now, granted, I'll say this in full transparency. That was early in the year. That now, He may have picked it up since then. That was early. That was probably September. Um, but I think, look, you see Daryl Williams on the field for one reason, because they know he can block. He can pick a blitz up. Like, that's why Daryl Williams exists on this team. And it's why Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't play a lot of third downs. If, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire learns how to block, you'll start seeing him as a three-down back. But Daryl Williams is on the field because they know that he knows how to pick up a blitz. He knows how to read. If Damian Williams was on this team and he wasn't on the COVID-19, he didn't opt out, Damian Williams would be getting a lot of run because he can block. Go back and watch the Super Bowl. Go back and watch the play where, they, where Mahomes hits Watkins on that on that route over the top of Sherman. That play happened because Damian Williams knew how to block and came across the formation and picked up a blitzing corner. Um, you know, so I think if Thompson can improve his blocking and understanding of the offense, he'll play. He's talented. They they love his talent, but they don't trust him as much as they trust Edwards Alaire and certainly and uh, Williams on third down. A little more on the running backs. Going into this game, obviously Clyde's on the shelf right now while he heals from his high ankle sprain. And, and and he's still up in the air. He may not be able to play until deep in the playoffs. That's a it's a serious injury. So going into this game, you probably don't want to trot Le'Veon Bell out there because you don't want to be left with only Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. How much Daryl Williams do you see, though, because of the worry of, of something potentially happening to him? You just mentioned how important he is. The Chiefs don't have Damian Williams. Do you think we see a lot of Darwin Thompson in this game and just maybe a little bit of Daryl yes. Williams? Yes, and I don't think you're seeing Le'Veon Bell. Like I've seen people like who talk about fantasy football. Like, well, you know, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I would not start Le'Veon Bell. They're not playing Le'Veon Bell. I would be stunned. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of Darwin Thompson. I wouldn't even be shocked if you see some elevations off the practice squad. Again, I'm not trying to be flippant. They don't care. They do not like. They couldn't care any less. If Andy Reid came out and was wearing a Hawaiian shirt on the sideline, I'd believe it. They. 
they're gonna they're just getting through this game. They they're playing it because they have to play it. It does not matter. Now that's not to say because now these guys are NFL coaches. That's not to say they won't purposely play a handful of different schemes, try to put some guys in certain positions to see how they react. They will do that, but they don't care if they lose by thirty points. They don't. They don't care if Thurman Thompson goes out there and rushes the ball twenty times for forty yards or for four hundred yards. They'd prefer the latter, but they're not going to be overstung about it. They they care that they get out of here as healthy as possible, and they and they go to the playoffs ready to go. I mean, right now these next three weeks, I, I said earlier, I'll say it again. It's about self scouting, but it's also about Hill's been dealing on and off with a hamstring injury now for a while. It's going to get three weeks. That hamstring probably heal up nice. Eric Fisher, he's been dealing with the back. Uh, Mike Remmer, same thing. This is an opportunity for them to get real healthy. It's also an opportunity for them to figure out what they're doing on the interior. I would not be shocked if they come out in the divisional round and Wisniewski starting. I'm not. That's not inside information thing. It's just an opinion. I, I think they have to do something inside, and I would not be shocked at all if you see some some different uh, combinations. I think defensively, they got to figure out. Look, what is our best course of action here? You know, if if we see and and believe me, they're going to have these conversations over the next couple of weeks. If if we see Buffalo at some point, they won't see him in the divisionals. It's impossible. They could see him in the championship game. Who's going on digs? How are we going to take away digs? Are we going to double him? Are we going to are we going to bracket? Are we going to play Snead on him? Are we going to play Breland? Um, it, all those things are all the conversations they'll be having, and then they'll go, oh yeah, right, and the Chargers at noon. Or the charge at 325s, it may be. So I think that's where you're at this week. That's right. That game did get moved back to accommodate for some playoff. Yeah, playoff games. All right, we're going to take our last break. On the other side, we'll wrap up this game, talk about a couple other things, and get you ready for the AFC playoff race that we're going to see this weekend. That's probably going to be the most interesting thing to pay attention to. All right, we are back. Okay, so... A little bit more on this game before we move on. Um, I'm curious, Matt, on the on the receiver side of things. So you know that they're going to sit Hill and Watkins. McCall Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, we're probably going to see those guys, Byron Pringle. Is that it? Do you think we'll see some elevations from the practice squad this week? Yeah, I think you're going to see some practice squad stuff. Um, I, I just... And I, and I think you're not you're not going to see too many like hey let's let's target Hardman eight times in this game. I think it's going to be like yeah, listen, McCall, we need we need bodies. But let's not go nuts here. Um, yeah, I do. I, I think you will see some guys who have not gotten a shot, who maybe are guys who have worked hard all year long, who they're going to want to reward. And I think that's smart. You know that that's a good way to to build some goodwill um, on your team. I think that stuff makes sense. But listen, you know, yeah, Watkins and Hill won't play. I, I think Garrick Dieter, like he's gonna play. They're gonna get, they're gonna try to get the ball to Garrick Dieter. I'd be shocked if they don't. Byron Pringle is another guy you'll look at and say, okay, yep, he's a guy. You know, I'd like to see like Jody Fortson play him. Like the guy was like a star in camp. He's been working hard on the practice squad. Play him. Um, you know, I, I think you know Tajay Sharp, he's another guy. That maybe they give a look to. He's on the practice squad, but of course it can elevate. I I really believe if you are the Chiefs in this game, there is no downside, and I mean none, to giving these guys run, giving them a look. Who cares? You're not you're not trying to win. It doesn't matter. So I I do believe that. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of these young guys getting some run. Hey. What do you have? Can can you show something on special teams that might get you a good look next year? You know, all, all that stuff matters in the NFL. Every rep matters. And for those guys, this this is their Super Bowl. So, yeah, I would expect to see them all play and play a lot. For, for some of our listeners that might not know, how does bringing a guy up from the practice squad impact the overall roster? Do you have to cut guys? Do you have to pe- have people out? How does that work? So this year it's a little different and it's, it's a little convoluted because of COVID stuff. Um, you can bring up more than normal, but no, you don't, you don't have to cut guys. You can just, you know, you can replace them with inactives and whatnot. Um, there's a lot that goes into it when you start talking about a big move, but no, I mean, the chiefs, 
every every game this year, if you've noticed, the Chiefs have called up two or three guys. So you can do that. It's not a big deal. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs are going to call up their whole practice squad or anything, but I do think you're going to see, as I mentioned, a guy, you know, a couple guys like an Elijah McGuire, maybe a Jody Fortune, those guys. You you can do that. You can you can bring up a few guys really without having to impact the rest of your roster. And so that that is what I would expect. But no, the Chiefs aren't going to do it at the at the cost of you know having to cut someone. That that's not in the in the cards. All right, one last question. So the Chiefs just carrying Mahomes and Henny right now. So midway through the first quarter, God forbid, Chad Henny goes down with an injury. Now yep. I don't know if Mahomes will be, even be active. Oh, so, I, I'd be shocked if he is. What do you do? Oh, you go to case? Matt Moore. You you go to Matt Moore. Do they are they carrying Matt Moore? I thought. Uh, yeah, you can always. Yeah, you can play your third quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah, you can just play him. But I'll tell you right now, and I I would bet my mortgage on this. If they were ever in a situation where Moore and Henny got hurt, hey, guess what, Elijah McGuire? We're playing Wildcat the rest of the game. Like they right. put you out there before Patrick Mahomes is in that game. As, as, as well, they should. Unfortunately, I would only last way, one play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I, I wanted to revisit something real quick because I mentioned it earlier. Mike Dan, I was I was musing about how many how many snaps has he played this year? On the on defense, he has played two hundred seventy three. Uh, he's never played more than half the snaps in the game. But I said about a quarter of the snaps. I was a little off on that. He's played about he's played about thirty five percent of the snaps. Um, I'm, I'm ballparking that math a little bit because I'm kind of looking at the aggregate. He's played it in 12 games. So in those 12 games, he's played about 35% of the snaps. And he has two and a half sacks. Like the guy, you know, he's, he's, he's played well. And that's why, again, like I want to see him more in this game. I, I, I don't care about any of the rest of it. I want to see the guy. He has six quarterback hits, two and a half sacks. 14 tackles, four tackles for loss. And before you're like, well, that doesn't sound like a lot. Like, I'm not saying it's an unbelievable year, but I'll tell you right now, you look at them statistically this year and compared, you know, per, per volume of what he's getting, uh, he's doing a hell of a nice job. He is second on the team in tackles for loss, which take that for what it's worth. He's more than Chris Jones. And that's not, I'm not knocking Chris Jones. I'm just saying he has more than Chris Jones. Frank Clark is eight. Tershawn Wharton and Mike Dana each have four. Quarterback hits, he's fourth on the team. He's fourth on the team. Like, I want to see more Mike Dana, period. End of discussion. Like, I'm not, I'm not even putting it up for debate. Like, I want to see the man. It's, it's ludicrous that he hasn't played more, in my opinion. So give me all Mike Dana, Tershawn Wharton, all these guys. Play him. Play him. Play him. Play him. Play him. Willie Gay, here's another thing. This actually, this shocked me. Willie Gay this year has 38 tackles. Willie Gay's barely even played. Like, I, I saw this number. I was like, there's no way that's it. Now, he's a linebacker, so you're, you're going to accumulate him fairly quickly. Sure. Okay, like, I, I don't want to take it out of context. Ben Neiman has 44 tackles. Willie Gay has 38. Willie Gay has played, I don't know, a, a maybe – Maybe a fraction of how often Ben Neiman has played. Like I, so again, it all goes back to I want to see him. By the way, so Ben Neiman, just for context, and I'll shut up. Ben Neiman has played 467 snaps this year. It's 47 percent of the defense. Okay, 47 percent of the time he has been on the field. Now, if you compare that to Willie Gay, all right. So Willie Gay, six less tackles, six less tackles, and. Uh, I'm going to pull this up here real quick, I promise. So he has I'm, – I'm going to guess while I'm looking this up. I'm going to guess he's played, I don't know, 15% of the snaps, something like that. It's got to be ludicrous. Where do you – for, for our listeners who might be interested, where do you get these these? ProFootballReference.com. And thank great you for website. buying me a little yeah. bit of time here. ProFootballReference.com. Um, and it's a great site. I mean, anything you want to find, you can you can find. Okay, so here we go. Willie Gay – has played 266 snaps compared to Neiman's 467. He's played 26.5% of the snaps. He has six fewer tackles. For the love of all that is holy, play Willie Gay over Ben (laughs) Neiman. I can't take it anymore. I really can't take it. Please, enough already. Damian Wilson, by the way, has played 
48 percent of the snaps. Now he's been he's been decent. I'm not I'm not saying stick team and Wilson offset, but for the love of God, please, please, it's enough already. Like Tonal Passion, would you believe Tonal Passion's played 69 percent of the snaps this year for them? Yeah, he's done nothing. Nothing. Mike Dana is outplaying him across the board in every in volume statistics, not percentages. In volume, the man's on the field almost never. It's so, yeah. That that's my uh, that's my that's my high horse for the. Uh, for I the saw week. I saw a guy on Twitter yesterday who had changed his handle to start Willie Gay. So you yeah. can see it's the, the movement is happening. happening. I'm just waiting in this game for uh, for Demarcus Robinson to have like a, a drop and a fumble, and then Jody Fortson to catch like two touchdowns and you know 125 yards. Everyone's going to be cut Demarcus Robinson and get Fortson in there for the playoffs. Just you know, it's coming. If he if Fortson plays, he's going to have some ridiculous catch or something, and he's going to throw it up. The guy six, it happens six. every year. He's going to snag it out of the air with one hand, and everyone's going to lose their minds. Um, he is a very interesting prospect. I, I hope I hope that he, he, he does is. get some runs. Um, all right, before we get to the AFC playoffs, I wanted to ask you. I asked this on Twitter yesterday. Got a lot of really great engagement from folks. Um, one guy got really mad, and I don't know why. So what I asked was, I said, "Chiefs fans, like if if the Chiefs didn't have Travis Kelsey, he's been so incredible this year." If they didn't have him this year, what would the record be? Like, how many wins is Travis Kelsey good for? Which I thought was an interesting. One guy was like, what if we didn't have our O-line? What if Andy Reid had a heart attack? He just got mad. I was like, dude, like, calm down. Like, I guess it's just these Chiefs fans, have a, they have a chip on their shoulder, and they thought I wasn't – I think he thought I wasn't a Chiefs fan. And he was like – he thought I was trying to say, like, how good – they're not really that good if they didn't have all these weapons like Kelsey. When really the question was, Kelsey's amazing. We're, you know, we know that the team still wins and is good without Kelsey because they have Mahomes and Reed. But what's their record this year, you think? This season, everything we've seen this season, if they didn't have Kelsey? To this point, 11-4, and four, maybe. Um, and maybe that surprises some people that I think they'd be that good. Look, I think if you take any player out but the quarterback you, uh, with the Chiefs, you're still going to be a really good team. Like, they're just they're so talented. They, they, they still would be a contender. But they would not have anywhere near the capabilities they have. In my opinion, outside of Mahomes, Kelsey's the most important player on the team. Period. Kelsey yeah. is just a dominating force of nature. They, you know, as great as Hill is, there are certain things you can do to take him out of the game. But if you do it, then Kelsey's just going to go berserk. Right. And and the, the, the reverse is true, of course. You know, you can bracket Kelsey and do different things, but it's so much harder, in my opinion, to stop Kelsey because you can you can really line him up anywhere. You can line him up in line. The Chiefs can dictate the matchups they get. Now, now Reed does a great job alongside the enemy of moving Hill all over the place as well. Like I would argue, no team in the league does a better job with motion than Kansas City. And if you've ever wondered, and maybe maybe this is really elementary, and if it is, I apologize. But you know, it, it, I know when I was a kid, I wondered this, and maybe there's some young listeners who don't understand some of the stuff that's done and why it's done. The what motion does for for a team like Kansas City, it is much much harder, if not impossible, to, to press a guy off the line of scrimmage when they're in motion. It's much harder to do that. It also when a guy goes in motion. You're telling Mahomes whether or not it's zone or it's man. If you see a, a Kelsey go in motion from one side of the line to the other, and the player travels with him, it's man. If he doesn't, it's likely zone. So they're getting all this information, and I think the Chiefs do a really nice job. A lot of times, you, know, you only have to have one player on either side of the formation on the line of scrimmage. Everybody else, by rule, has to be off of it. Well, whoever that guy is on the line can get pressed. You ever notice a lot of times that it's not Hill or Kelsey? Like that the Chiefs will make sure that those guys aren't getting pressed. And not all the time. Sometimes they're certainly on the line of scrimmage. But a lot of times it's Watkins, who's a big-bodied guy who can get off press as well. You know, they're, they're not as worried about it. Uh, or it's an in-line tight end. You know, if David Tutsit end said, okay, hey, Nick Kaiser, you're on the line. Great. What are the, what are the Chiefs care? You're going to press Nick Kaiser? Like using all those things to their advantage. They'll put Hill in the backfield. And motion them out, you know, or they do the same thing with Hardman a lot of times. That stuff, we take it for granted. Believe me, I watch the whole league. More than half the league has no idea motion exists. There are teams literally that will motion a guy three times in the game. The whole game. Can't see any motion three guys on a play sometimes. So 
right. becomes very hard. And the Godfather, by the way, of motion in a lot of ways. I mean, certainly people did this before him. Clark Shaughnessy was actually the the, the Godfather of it because he went, you know, man of motion, wing T odd stuff, but or the T formation. But Hank Stram was someone who took motion to an entirely another level in the '60s. The Chiefs were known for their innovative designs, and now, of course, they're known for it again. And I think it's telling, you know, you say, well, you think the Chiefs would be 11 and four right now. And, yep. and, and some people might be surprised that you think that they would still be that good. That's three games. Like That's a lot of games. This is, this is football. Like you can, t- other than the quarterback, you can take a lot of guys in and out and still be, it's a team game. That's how huge Travis Kelsey is to this team. I think they might have five losses without Travis Kelsey, just because some of the close games that they have played, they have relied on Travis Kelsey to move the chains, ice away, salt away the game. It's not just the touchdowns or the big plays. It's the way he finds some space in the zone all the time from Mahomes, the way he keeps working, the, the chain moving that he does. He's absolutely incredible. I think he, other than Mahomes, I think he's the most important player on the team, bar none. And yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun discussion. There were a lot of 12 and fours, 11 and fives coming from folks. Uh, and then just a few randos who were mad that I dare to even ask the question. Um, so fun, fun little exercise. All right, let's get to the AFC playoff discussion. So there is a log jam of 10 and five teams, only three teams. It's, it's kind of crazy going into week 17, only three of the AFC's seven playoff spots are clinched because all of these teams have the same record. Look, Chiefs, we know number one seed, 14 and one. Right now, the Bills have the two seed. They have the same record as the Steelers, who are at the three right now, but the Bills have the tiebreaker. They're both 12 and three. And then after that, it's a madhouse. You got the Titans, 10 and five, the Dolphins, 10 and five, the Ravens, 10 and five, the Browns, 10 and five, and the Colts on the outside looking in right now at 10 and five. Uh, probably one of the most exciting playoff races we've had in a long time. And when you add an extra spot, that, that makes it even more interesting and, and takes things a little bit longer. So, I jotted down the clinching scenarios and these can get really complicated, but on its face, it's actually really simple going into this weekend. The Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Browns all get in if they win. That's it. They win. They're in. Those are the play. And that's, and that's the order that you have right now, which is Titans four, Dolphins five, Ravens six, Browns seven. They all get in. The Colts are the only team that has to have help and they have to win to get into the playoffs. Now, if these teams lose, then things get interesting, right? You get into a situation where if you're Miami and you lose to Buffalo, you got to win or you need a Baltimore loss or a Cleveland loss or an Indianapolis loss, right? So I'm not going to go through all of those crazy scenarios, but I thought it would be fun to talk about what we're going to see this weekend, right? Now, the Steelers have already mentioned that they're they're go- that's the interesting thing, right? The Bills and the Steelers, should you be playing your starters trying to get the number two seed when you know that you don't get a buy anymore. So, you know, if this was last year, the bills and the Steelers would be playing their starters because they'd be trying to get that second buy. Right. So, right. So the Mike Tomlin's already come out for Pittsburgh and said, Ben Roethlisberger's not playing. Some of his other guys are going to play against the Browns, but you've got a game there where the, the Cleveland's got their backs against the wall and they're trotting Mason Rudolph out there, which is a whole other storyline. The bills, Sean McDermott has not said, what the Bills are planning to do. He's being really cagey. I think the Bills are going to play their starters for some of this game because I think Sean McDermott, if he's smart, wants to put off playing Patrick Mahomes as long as possible. That's my feel for it. What do you think, Inverteran? Well, why why do you say that? In other words, like, what does it matter to McDermott? They're not going to, they're locked in. They can't be any lower than a three sheet. So they're not seeing it to the A's title game one way or the other. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it that way. I was thinking uh, you, you're the two. You're going to play the lowest seed. Um, is there any advantage to either of these teams then to to try to win this game? Being at home in the second round. But I mean, I, I don't I don't think they care. Look, I, I do not think the Bills are going to play anybody. Because Beasley now is hurt, by the way. He's week to week with a leg injury. That's not great. They need Cole Beasley big time. They're the best team in the league on third down. You want to know why? Cole Beasley. That's why. He's so underrated this season. Uh, if you play, if you have him in fantasy, you know. But he's incredibly important. He's like if they like he's their ver- now. Like he's not as good as Kelsey, but like he's their version right. of Kelsey. Like when things get tough, you throw it down to Beasley. He can win a choice route anytime he wants. So 
I don't think they're going to play. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this on Twitter here the last five minutes. Are the Browns having a potential COVID outbreak? They had to shut the facility down. So oh not ideal for a team that is trying to get in the playoffs for the first time in 19 seasons. And the Browns now had a player and a staff member test positive on, on Wednesday morning. Uh, they shut the, the whole facility down as they try to contact trades. Obviously, they're already going through all this with the receivers. Not ideal for Cleveland. And I can tell you right now, before anybody even thinks about it, the NFL is not going to delay this game. They are not going to do it. They haven't done it all year long. They are not going to move this game back to accommodate the Browns and screw everybody else in the league. And there's another wrinkle to this. Okay, The Steelers, who have been screwed twice with Baltimore and with Tennessee, are going to basically tell the league, over our dead body, are we even moving this game back an hour? Because we're not going to go into the playoffs in a short week to make sure Cleveland can play. They're not going to do it. I I, I would, uh, to use a line I used uh, earlier in the podcast, the mortgage would be on the line. They are not going to move this game. So all of a sudden you get the Browns dealing with all these COVID issues. Now, we don't know who the player was that tested positive, um, and, and we don't know. You know how many guys have to be contact traced, but it's it's not great. Um, that said, look, I'm gonna I think Miami's gonna win because I don't think Buffalo's gonna play. If Buffalo were to play hard, I, I would take the Bills. Uh, I think I think Tennessee beats Houston, but I'll tell you that is the game I'm watching because I could see Deshaun Watson going berserk in that game against Tennessee. They have the worst third down defense, worst pressure rate, fewest amount of sacks. The defense stinks. That could be a shootout. It certainly wasn't Tennessee when they went to overtime earlier this year. But I think the Colts are out. Like they're the team that they don't just win and in. Everybody else is win and get in. I think Baltimore rolls Cincy. I think Indianapolis will beat Jacksonville, but they need help. I think Tennessee gets by Houston. Miami's going to beat an, an uninspired Buffalo team. And I, I will pick Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh. I'll tell you right now, they got a million guys out with COVID. That's up for debate. Uh, they just lost to the Jets with just a few of their receivers out. So I'll say for now, I think the Colts are out because I just think it's it's a pretty easy slate for these teams that just have a win and in scenario. But if Cleveland is missing a lot of guys, they could be on the outside looking in. So you think it's your prediction is it's going to go Chuck. It's going to be Chiefs, Bills, Steelers, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, as long as Cleveland's not decimated. I it's not ridiculous, yes. Yeah, I, I, it looks like it was a defender that had tested uh, positive last week, and we'll see how this all plays out. I think if the Browns have, you know, if they've got Miles Garrett on the field, if they got Baker Mayfield and they got their receivers back, and they have the run and the running backs, I I think they'll have enough on offense to to get the job done and beat Mason Rudolph. He's terrible. Um, the Browns hate Mason Rudolph. So yeah. you better believe Miles Garrett, that whole incident last year with the helmet, which was was despicable on Garrett's part. But um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really interesting to if Miles Garrett is is on the field and Mason Rudolph's on the field, how many sacks do you think Miles Garrett has Three. in this game? Three. Three. He's gonna be and I, and I, I want a hilarious celebration afterward. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can you imagine if he did a like a a helmet, a yeah. fake helmet uh, it'd be motion. Great. He'd be crazy. No, he's not, of course not. But he's I not, want it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He knows he knows what he's taught, spoken about. Why what he did last year was unacceptable. But it's going to be interesting. So here's my prediction: as long as everything goes all right with the Browns, wacky stuff happens this time of year. We've talked about it. So the boring answer. Sorry for calling your, your answer no, boring. It's but, fine. But, My answer is the yeah. boring answer. It's chalk. The, the boring answer is chalk, right? Everybody wins that needs to win to get in. Um, I, I like you. I flagged the Dolphins. The Dolphins playing the Bills is a game where I could see the Dolphins still losing that game. Yep. And also with Deshaun Watson on the field, Tennessee should be a little bit nervous. They better come to play. And there have been times this year where they have not come to play and it has come back to bite them in the ass. So we'll see. So I think it's unlikely to that this is all going to go this way. But go ahead and put money down on a parlay for that. Um, I think the Bills will beat the Dolphins and the Dolphins will be out. But then I think that the this is crazy. People are going to call me crazy. My God, don't bet this. I'm going to say it. I, 
They've been playing really well. I think the Bengals have a shot to upset the Ravens. It's a divisional game. The Bengals have been running the football really well. They've been playing good defense. They've got a swagger about them right now. It's just one of those games where, you know, we talked about guys are playing to prove that they're not worthless, that you get jobs for next year. It's just one of those games with, with Jackson's limitations. They know this team really well that I could see this, the Bengals throwing, throwing everything at the Ravens and somehow coming out of that game and upsetting Baltimore. If you had to put a percentage odds on my crazy theory here, what would you put them at? 5%. Die for that low? Yes. The Bengals have gotten absolutely murdered every time they've played Baltimore in recent years. I, I just, And the Ravens kill bad teams. Like Baltimore, if you look at their schedule this year, here are the good teams that Baltimore's beaten. Cleveland twice. And Indianapolis. I'm done. They've beaten the NFC East, all four teams. They've beaten the, they've beaten the Bengals. They've beaten Jacksonville, Houston. Um, that's what? That's seven. And, and, and yeah, and then, yeah, and then Cleveland twice and, and Indianapolis. Like Baltimore's beaten nobody. But when they beat teams that are bad, they crush them. I just don't see it. I don't think – no, I think Cincinnati play hard. They're a young team. They're, they're going to want to play spoiler, all that. But you know what? I will say this to your opinion. Divisional games are always weird. And the Bengals, like, they're going to be motivated because they're young and they're hungry. The one thing I'll say for any of these games, and I, I, I know I, I believe in this with every fiber of my being, if you're the better team, you better put these teams away early. Because the longer these teams hang in games, it's human nature. They get confident. They get more motivated to win. It's like, well, screw it. We're three quarters away through the game. Might as well finish it off. Like that to me, you're always in trouble if you're the better team and you're just letting the team. And I and I thought that way with Atlanta, with Kansas City on Sunday. Like when Mahomes got picked off in the third quarter, I knew the Chiefs were going to be in a game all the way to the end of the game. Because you just you start to believe if you're Atlanta, and, and I think Atlanta probably went in there and said, "Who cares? We stink. We're four and ten. It doesn't right. matter." But then the game starts going, and you're like, "Hey, we could win it Arrowhead. That'd be a damn nice feather in our cap." Like you start letting teams believe, and it becomes a major problem. So my advice to anyone who's out there who just wants to watch some scoreboards and have some fun, look for the team who's who's just hanging around. Because those are the games. All it takes at that point is one big break, one mistake. You know, it, it's it, don't 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 bog yourself down throughout the week worrying about. Oh, I think this team's going to win. I think that team's going. Watch the way the first twenty to twenty five minutes of the game goes, and and you're going to know right away where the upset might be. And I know it sounds obvious, but it, it really like it's whoever's hanging around, kind of okay, hanging in there, hanging in. That's the team that all of a sudden is going to get confident, and that's where the problem lies. I will say Cincinnati, 27-17 over Pittsburgh, 37-31 over Houston. Now, we know Houston's got problems on defense, and Baltimore's nice much better defensively. Here. But it should be – it could be interesting. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to put it in your ear. It could be interesting. And if that were to happen, if that were to happen, the Baltimore Ravens, if everybody else wins, so what Baltimore needs is they need to win and they're in, or they need Cleveland to lose or Indy to lose. Indy's playing Jacksonville. They're going to win that game, right? Most likely. The Browns should be able to beat Mason Rudolph if they field a full squad, especially after losing to the Jets. They know they need to win to get in. They're going to come out, hopefully, and play really hard. So if you're Baltimore, you better not slip up against the Bengals, who are on a two-game winning streak, because you're done if you don't make it in. So I've got it. Chiefs, Bills, Steelers, Titans, Browns at the five-seed, Colts get the six and the Dolphins back into the playoffs after losing to the Bills at seven. You know, every year in week 17, almost every year, some wacky shit happens and there's some team that needed to get in and they're playing some team that's playing for nothing and they lose and they don't make it in. Do you remember that year that the Chiefs got in because the, well, like the 49ers when they were terrible won yep, on like, six. yeah, it was like New Year's Eve, I think. And they, who did they beat? Do you remember who they beat the 49ers? 
Yeah, they beat Denver a mile high. Denver, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know who the quarterback so, was in that game for the Niners? Alex Smith. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. here's an amazing thing. You know who the running back was for the Niners? No. Frank Gore. Frank Man, Gore. still trucking. <laughs> it's 2006. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Years it's ago. amazing. That's insane. God bless him. God bless him. All right. Let's, let's get into our score predictions for the game. I'll, I'll kick us off. I think the Chiefs are still going to win. Uh, I think uh, it'll be close. That would be hilarious. I, I think they're still going to win. I got it. Chiefs 24, Chargers 23. All right, I'll, I'll say uh, 27 to 20 Chargers. I, I just don't think the Chiefs care. And I think the Chargers, Herbert's going to want to win the game. They'll go out on a four-game win streak. Like I, I, I think they'll win. If the Chiefs were playing their starters, I would have obviously picked Kansas City. But I, I just don't think the Chiefs are going to care. Picking the Chiefs to lose. They're going to come for you on Twitter very round. I'm going to make sure everybody knows. Well, hey. How dare you? It makes anybody feel you? good. The last time I picked the Chiefs to lose was against the Ravens. And the Chiefs went out and utterly destroyed the Ravens. Yeah. Maybe it's a good, well, maybe it's a good sign. We'll save your bad juju then for picking against them in the playoffs, will you? I'll, don't, yeah, don't I'll use pick it up against, against the Chargers. Thirty points a game. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, everybody. We will be back on Sunday. I'll be coming to you from Wisconsin. Uh, should be fun. And uh, and and we'll 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 preview the AFC playoffs for you. Um, uh, for that first round, we'll talk about the game. Any youngsters that we saw play well. And uh, we just hope you have a happy new year. We love doing this podcast for y'all. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know what your New Year's resolutions are or what your New Year's resolutions for the Chiefs are in a written review on Apple Podcasts. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk about those on the podcast next week when we're, uh, when we're previewing the playoff games. Any, uh, any, any last messages for the listeners out there, Verter M, before we head into 2021 and get the hell out of this hellish year? <laughs> no. Have a happy new year. Enjoy it. And uh, listen, go Chiefs, right? I mean, that's your line, but hey, go Chiefs. Like we got yeah, yeah. we got three we got three meaningful games left here, hopefully, in the Chiefs season. And uh, you know, it's funny, I I'll leave it on this note. I, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I just am. I always have been. And uh, I was flipping around YouTube the other day. I was actually looking for a Sammy Watkins clip. I forget what exactly what I was looking for, but something with Sammy Watkins. And it popped up in my search. Um, the 2019 AFC Championship game intro that CBS did, and I love that kind of stuff. I loved them as kids, as a kid. I thought they was. I always loved the intros, and like Dick Enberg would narrate an intro. I just, it's always, always got me. And I was so worried about the Chiefs game that day. I don't even think I watched the intro. Like I was like probably talking to my dad and just didn't catch it. And I will tell you, if you got a, if you have YouTube and you have access to YouTube, which I'm sure you do. Go if you have not seen it. Go search 2019 AFC Championship game intro, and it's just it's CBS basically playing you know Nashville and Kansas City back and forth against each other, and it's it's about like the ideals of hope. And in the background, I don't know who the woman is who covers the song, but it's "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. With like it's slowed down. And I'm telling you, if, if that doesn't get you ready for the playoffs this year, nothing will. I watched it and was like, that is just awesome. It was so cool to watch, and I, I know maybe I'm a sucker. I, I, I in fact, I'm certainly a sucker. But I, I love that stuff. It sets up the it sets up the drama. It's it's what's the story of this game? What does it mean to the people who are about to watch it as well? Which they're smart about tapping into. And I'll tell you what, man, Dick Enberg, my all time favorite announcer, Me too. absolutely incredible, so good. It was awesome to hear him call Jamal Charles in his last NFL game. Uh, yeah, having that big day against Denver that was really fun. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch that clip right away. Actually, um, love it. All right, everybody, listen. My advice to you is to not drink too heavily, but if you do, Pedialyte. Go buy some Pedialyte. Yeah, that'll get you right real quick. Forget about the Gatorade. Buy some, some Pedialyte some- stock. Yeah, <laughs> good time. Good time right. of year to buy some time, Pedialyte time, stock. Buy some Pedialyte stock uh, and uh, just as, as stock up on that and some aspirin. Don't go too hard on New Year's Eve. I know you can't you can't go out, but order in. Be safe and go Chiefs. We'll see you on Sunday.
but uh, Gatorade, yeah, when I was hungover, Gatorade, orange Gatorade, I would got an electrolyte crap in it. Yeah, yeah. I was in a fraternity, you know, and we would like we would have this uh, on pickup day, like when we got new members, everybody would get up at like seven in the morning, start drinking, and then like you know there would be a party that night, and so you had like to yeah. you like you would get hammered, and then like. I would just like wake up, like f- go to bed and wake up like four hours later and, and do it all over again. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, even survive college. Like if I try to yeah. do something like that right <laughs> I now, like, I know they get I the pine die. box ready. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save 